Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 87 of the Bible Reading Podcast. Today's big Bible question, what is the Ark of the Covenant? And while we're at it, where is the Ark of the Covenant? So let me start off pretty simply. Answer to question number two, I don't know. Today's podcast would be the easiest and shortest Bible reading podcast ever if the only question we had to deal with was, where is the Ark of the Covenant? Because despite being one of the top daily Bible podcasters in all of South Salinas, I have no earthly idea where the Ark currently is. In fact, of the two famous Arks that I'm familiar with, which would be Noah's Ark and this Ark, I don't know where either one of them are, although when I was a kid, I do recall seeing some pretty good documentaries on where Noah's Ark was. If I had to guess where both Arks might be now, maybe I'd guess uh, Eurasica, which is to say somewhere in Europe, Asia, or Africa. That's pretty specific, so you all should get looking right now. You'll be famous as soon as you find it. I will say this, though, however. By the end of today's episode, I may not be able to tell you where the Ark of the Covenant is now, But I do think we can discover where it will be soon, and I'm not even kidding. But in the meantime, I've got a Bible podcast to do, and today's readings include our focus passage, Exodus 37, Proverbs 13 also, John 16, and Ephesians 6. Today we're talking about arcs, well, the one specific arc to be clear. But before we do that, we do need to try and clear up some confusion Have you ever wondered why the Ark of the Covenant and Noah's Ark are both arks, but they are radically different from each other? Oh, me too. I can't tell you how many nights of sleep that I've lost trying to figure this mystery out. Well, actually, I guess I can tell you. So far, it's zero. But if this opening keeps lasting much longer, it might be one. So here's the thing. Counterintuitively, the Hebrew word for both of these arcs are actually different words. Noah's ark is actually the word teba, and it is translated as a chest, an ark, or a coffer. So teba, teba is probably a better Hebrew pronunciation with the, uh, with the B sort of having a the sound. The only other place that word is used is in the early chapters of Exodus, and it refers to the floating basket that Moses was put in before it was sent down the river to the household of Pharaoh. So it's a curious word, and probably best for us to think of it as some sort of floating container or a box or something, and probably not a boat. It doesn't really appear that Noah's Ark was made for anything but to be a floating container, while a boat or a ship, when we think of that word, we think of something for that's used for transportation and things like that. The Ark of the Covenant in our passage today is a different Hebrew word entirely, and that word is Aron. And Aron can be a chest or even a coffin. For instance, Joseph was buried in an Aron, and and it comes from a Hebrew verb meaning to gather or pluck, you know, like pluck fruit or collect. And hence, you might put what you gather or collect into an Aron. The similarity, of course, is that both words indicate a container type of thing. Now, in Koine Greek, in which the New Testament is written, 
you'll find that both words for ark, the ark of the covenant and Noah's ark, are conflated into one word, the Greek word kibotos or kibotu. I'd think things would have been a little simpler to translate them as slightly different words in the Greek and subsequently the English, but you know what? The New Testament authors never asked for my opinion for some reason, so we are where we are now, which is to have one word for two slightly different kinds of arks. So the first mention of the Ark of Coven- the Covenant is back in Exodus 25. And of course, you might be wondering, well, why in the world didn't we cover this way back when we were reading in Exodus 25? And the answer would be something like, well, Mr. Smarty Pants, I was hoping to find the location of the Ark of the Covenant between that episode and now because that would have made for a much better podcast, but I didn't. Then I would wink at you so you would know I was joking, but I probably wouldn't reveal the real answer to you because honestly, it's just above top secret. But let's get to that first appearance. Exodus 25, verse 10. They shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two cubits and a half shall it be its length. A cubit and a half shall be its breadth. And a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and outside shall you overlay it. And you shall make on it a molding of gold around it. So now let's go read about the ark being made by Bezalel. And then come back and discuss it a little more. So this is Exodus chapter 37, verse 1, in the Christian Standard Bible. Bezalel made the ark of acacia wood, 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, and 27 inches high. He overlaid it with pure gold inside and out and made a gold molding all around it. He cast four gold rings for it, for its four feet, two rings on one side and two rings on the other side. He made poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. He inserted the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark for carrying the ark. He made a mercy seat of pure gold, 45 inches long and 27 inches wide. He made two cherubim of gold. He made them of hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat, one cherub at one end and one cherub at the other end. At each end, he made a cherub of one piece with the mercy seat. They had wings spread out. They faced each other and covered the mercy seat with their wings. The faces of the cherubim were looking towards the mercy seat. He constructed the table of acacia wood, 36 inches long, 18 inches wide, and 27 inches high. He overlaid it with pure gold and made a gold molding all around it. He made a 3-inch frame all around it and made a gold molding all around its frame. He cast four gold rings for it and attached the rings to the four corners at its four legs. The rings were next to the frame as holders for the poles to carry the table. He made the poles for carrying the table from acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. He also made the utensils that would be on the table out of pure gold, its plates and cups as well as its bowls and pitchers for pouring drink offerings. Then he made the lampstand out of pure hammered gold. He made it all of one piece, its base and shaft, its ornamental cups and its buds and petals. Six branches extended from its sides, three branches of the lampstand from one side and three branches of the lampstand from the other side. There were three cups shaped like almond blossoms, each with a bud and petals on one branch, and three cups shaped like almond branches, each with a bud and petals on the next branch. It was this way for the six branches that extended from the lampstand. 
There were four cups shaped like almond blossoms on the lampstand shaft, along with its buds and petals. For the six branches that extended from it, a bud was under the first pair of branches from it, a bud under the second pair of branches from it, and a bud under the third pair of branches from it. Their buds and branches were of one piece with it. All of it was a single hammered piece of pure gold. He also made it seven lamps, snuffers, and firepans of pure gold. He made it all in its utensils of 75 pounds of pure gold. He made the altar out of incense. Uh, he made the altar of incense out of acacia wood. It was square, 18 inches long and 18 inches wide. It was 36 inches high. Its horns were of one piece with it. He overlaid it, its top, all around its sides, and its horns with pure gold. Then he made a gold molding all around it. He made two gold rings for it under the molding on two of its sides. He put these on opposite sides of it to be holders for the poles to carry it with. He made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. He also made the holy anointing oil and the pure, fragrant, and expertly blended incense. So the Ark of the Covenant was about 52 by 31 by 31 inches, and it was covered in hammered gold all around, with four gold rings in each of the corners to carry it with poles. The Ark was made of shatim wood, which is a word that you have to be sure to pronounce correctly, as it does not sound like you'd think it does based on looking at it. Or you can also just say it's made of acacia wood because this wood comes from the red acacia tree, which is a thorny kind of tree that doesn't grow too tall, around 30 feet, and is found throughout parts of Africa and the Middle East. On top of the ark is the mercy seat, or the caporet, which is probably the most significant part of this object. You can find a good description of that at gotquestions.org, so I'll just borrow it and give them credit. And they say, The real significance of the Ark of the Covenant was what took place involving the lid of the box known as the mercy seat. The term mercy seat comes from a Hebrew word meaning to cover or placate, appease, cleanse, cancel, or make atonement for. It was here that the high priest only once a year, according to Leviticus 16, entered the Holy of Holies where the Ark was kept and atoned for his sins and the sins of the Israelites. The priest sprinkled blood of a sacrificed animal onto the mercy seat to appease the wrath and anger of God for past sins committed. This was the only place in the world where this atonement could take place. The mercy seat on the ark was a symbolic foreshadowing of the ultimate sacrifice for all sin— The blood of Christ shed on the cross for the remission of sins. The Apostle Paul, a former Pharisee and one familiar with the Old Testament, knew this concept quite well when he wrote about Christ being our covering for sin in Romans 3, 24 and 25. And we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Just as there was only one place for atonement of sins in the Old Testament, the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, so there is also only one place for atonement in the New Testament and current times, the cross of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we no longer look to the Ark, but to the Lord Jesus himself as the propitiation or payment and atonement for our sins. Over the next few days and weeks, we're going to read a lot more about the Ark of the Covenant as it appears in the scriptures well over a hundred times. But as a bit of foreshadowing, let's jump in a time machine and take a look at a couple of those passages. The first one, 1 Samuel 4, 3 and 5. 
When the troops returned to the camp, the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord defeat us today before the Philistines? Let's bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from Shiloh. Then it will go with us and save us from our enemies. So the people sent men to Shiloh to bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord entered the camp, all the Israelites raised such a loud shout that the ground shook. Well, they were excited that the Ark was there, and they went into battle. And the Philistines heard the shout, and they panicked and realized what was going on. In fact, they thought uh, the God of Israel was in the camp of the Israelites. But He wasn't. It was just his ark. And so they panicked and fought with all of their hearts, and they destroyed the Israelites and captured the Ark of the Covenant and took it back with them. Can you spot what went wrong? Well, of course, the Israelites trusted in the Ark and not the God of the Ark. What happened next was kind of a horror story. The Philistines panicked, like I said, defeated the Israelite army. When Eli, the high priest, the father of Hophni and Phinehas, heard about this and heard that the Ark of God was captured, he leaned back in his chair fell out of his chair and broke his neck, according to the Bible, because he was extremely old and overweight. And no, I'm not making that up. You can go read the story if you'd like. It's actually worse than I'm making it out to be. Now, one more picture of the Ark. This one is more positive, and it's also in the future. The future from us, that is. This is Revelation chapter 11, verses 15 through 19, and John is seeing this at the end of days. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within the temple. Within his temple, there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. Well, there you go. The future location of the Ark of the Covenant, as promised, it is in his temple, God's temple in heaven. Well, let's read some more scripture together, shall we? Beginning with Proverbs chapter 13. A wise son responds to his father's discipline, but a mocker does not listen to rebuke. From the fruit of his mouth, a person will enjoy good things, but treacherous people have an appetite for violence. The one who guards his mouth protects his life. The one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. The slacker craves, yet has nothing, but the diligent is fully satisfied. The righteous hate lying, but the wicked bring disgust and shame. Righteousness guards people of integrity, but wickedness undermines the sinner. 
One person pretends to be rich but has nothing. Another pretends to be poor but has abundant wealth. Riches are a ransom for a person's life, but a poor person bears, hears no threat. The light of the righteous shines brightly, but the lamp of the wicked is put out. Arrogance leads to nothing but strife, but wisdom is gained by those who take advice. Wealth obtained by fraud will dwindle, but whoever earns it through labor will multiply it. Hope delayed makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. The one who has contempt for instruction will pay the penalty, but the one who respects a command will be rewarded. A wise person's instruction is a fountain of life, turning people away from the snares of death. Good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous never changes. Every sensible person acts knowledgeably, but a fool displays his stupidity. A wicked envoy falls into trouble, but a trustworthy courier brings healing. Poverty and disgrace come to those who ignore discipline, but the one who accepts correction will be honored. Desire fulfilled is sweet to the taste, but to turn from evil is detestable to fools. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Disaster pursues sinners, but good rewards the righteous. A good man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. The uncultivated field of the poor yields abundant food, but without justice it is swept away. The one who will not use the rod hates his son, but the one who loves him disciplines him diligently. A righteous righteous person eats until he is satisfied, but the stomach of the wicked is empty. John chapter 16 verse 1, Jesus says, I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going away to him who sent me. And not one of you asks me, where are you going? Yet, because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I will go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me, because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. A little while and you will see me no longer. Again, a little while and you will see me. Then some of his disciples said to one another, What is this he's telling us? A little while and you will not see me. Again, a little while and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father, they said, What is this he's saying? A little while. We don't know what he's talking about. Jesus knew they wanted to ask him, and so he said to them, Are you asking one another about what I said? A little while, and you will not see me. Again, a little while, and you will see me. Truly, I tell you, 
You will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will take away your joy from you. In that day, you will not ask me anything. Truly, I tell you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. I have spoken these things to you in figures of speech. A time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. On that day you will ask in my name, and I am not telling you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and you believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Look, now you are speaking plainly and not using any figurative language. Now we know that you know everything and don't need anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Jesus responded to them, Do you now believe? Indeed, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all power and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, 
that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you may also know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all of you who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. What a fantastic ending to the epistle to the Ephesians and a great ending to this podcast as well. Brothers and sisters, friends, in a world that seems to be falling apart, may the peace of the Lord be with you and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Godspeed.